to another installment of Not Your Normal History. I'm your host, Jeremy Wallington, and as always, my co-host, Austin Matchy. Howdy, howdy. How you doing, Austin? Oh, I'm just swell, just swell, you know, holding tight during this lockdown. How are you? <laughs> the ever-extending lockdown? Yeah, yeah, when will it end? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big question these days. When will it end? And I guess depending on what state you live in, that could be answered sooner rather than later. This is true. <laughs> but for some of us, it looks like another month, and we'll just have to get through this somehow. And hopefully you choose to listen to this up-and-coming show. And, uh, well, yeah, just listen to us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm then now, <laughs> you know, everyone's just sitting at home. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what makes it fun. You know, like I said last week, everybody needs something to kind of have a hobby on. And yeah, learn people. Let's learn. Let's, yeah, let's, this uh, is true. I've been reading and watching documentaries like crazy. I, I don't even watch normal TV no more. I can't, I can't handle it. That's just me. No, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. <laughs> just can't documentaries, either. history channel on YouTube. Good to go. <laughs> exactly. I actually just picked up a new book today. Um, it's called The Day of Battle, The War in Sicily and Italy, 1943 to 44. Hmm. By Rick Atkinson. Uh, no, I was doing some family history. You know, my great uncle was in the 36th Infantry in Italy, and I wanted to kind of learn more about what he went through in the 143rd. And so that's why I picked up the book. So we'll see where that takes me. And that's about 1944, Italy? Uh, 43 through 44. So they're in that campaign. That's interesting. I started watching this series on Netflix. It's called Medal of Honor. And it's about the, the, Medal, of, the, Medal, of the, the Medal of Valor recipients and whatnot. And it kind of reenacts the battles and how they got the, the award in the first place. And the very first episodes, actually, um, it's, uh, it's Italy, 1944. So it's pretty cool. Who was it on, you know, offhand? It was, um, geez, I'm going to have to, Ernie Pyle. It was somebody, Sylvester Antilek. Okay. That was the recipient and it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, during the battle, um, near Cisterna, Cisterna, Italy. Okay. I'm sure I run into that in this book. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, so far it's really good. It's really good. (laughs) Well, supposedly this author, he ran, he's got three volumes, uh, An Army at Dawn, the North Africa Campaign, 42 to 43, the day of the battle, which is this one. And then the other one he has is The Guns at Last Light, a war in Western Europe, 44 to 45. So I'm sure that's just the end of it there. So, I mean, everything's basically in European theater. But uh, yeah. Yeah, winner of Pulitzer's Prize. So it's had a good lot of good reviews on it. So I said that one though. I also ordered a book too. You wouldn't believe what did it. You, what did you order? I ordered um, a book called The Book of Five Rings. It's a Japanese oh. book about a Japanese samurai kind of like rogue warrior named uh, Musashi. And it's supposed to be pretty cool. It's supposed to be like his philosophy and how he took down like samurai warlords and stuff like that on his own. So it's pretty cool. He's like the greatest swordsman in samurai history yeah that's right history channel did like one of their little warrior episodes on that it's pretty cool yeah he there's a movie they made on him i don't i've only seen clips i haven't seen the movie and they 
react these battles and stuff. And it's if you read about him, it's amazing what he was doing. He would just like psychologically, like psychological warfare on these guys when he'd go into these duels. And that's how how, you, how he's winning. Yeah, they're saying how he's like he'll show up an hour early, an hour late the Wait. next time. Like, yeah, it's crazy, but he got it done. He, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, he he whittled a boar on a boat down and used that while the other guy had a freaking katana, and yeah. length of the oar of the boat was longer. So the guy missed his cut with the sword, and he whacked him in the head and killed him with the yeah, oar. It, it was like one blow. Yeah, yeah well, wooden. <laughs> Yeah, that's well, right. <laughs> hey, think it outside the box, but hey. Yeah, he certainly got it done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nuts. You know, but you know, it that's a good book. That one's a good one. Uh there's another one on him, but I, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But yeah, he's he's an interesting character for sure. Oh yeah. That's kind of been like the way that I've been taking it, is kind of like Japanese history, which is mm-hmm. pretty interesting to learn about. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe we could discuss something like that later on. You never know. Well, that's always up for debate. I mean, there's a ton of info out there to bring up, you know, as far as topics for a history show. So yeah, samurai. Uh, oh yeah, I was I did a study on stuff like that about 15 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Got a couple books on that. Yeah, they're interesting. I was just fascinating about them. It is. It is because everything's kind of about honor and you know mm-hmm. like. They're not scared to die or whatever because it's, you know, that's just kind of how they're bred. It's interesting, you know. Yeah, the way of the warrior, you know. Yeah, yeah. Way of the samurai. So, yeah. Couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Now. I probably forgot so much of that. But, yeah, I got a few <laughs> books on that. So, yeah, there's definitely something we could bring up. Yeah, we can go over Bushido. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> They'll Did tie you in the World War II later. <laughs> Did you see the uh, little off topic? Did you see the new Assassin's Creed game? Yes, I did with the Vikings. Valhalla, yeah, yeah, that looks awesome. <laughs> that looked good. I'm intrigued. The graphics look good. Hopefully, the story is good. I might be interested in that one. I would think Super so. Tight. It's definitely, it's definitely a different, a different little kind of theme that they're going with. You know, not your typical like Italian Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, they've kind of went away from that, and I think they're just picking different eras now. But that is definitely one that is, you know, interesting. You know, you're one thousand biking you know raids across europe and whatnot that kind of fits in well i'm sure they'll take it to japanese next you know make them a ninja or something <laughs> i don't think they yeah they haven't done one of those i guess you could yeah which i'm i'm really surprised but i mean it, it looks based off this one that they're doing like vikings versus like the the knights essentially <laughs> england they're in england yeah. yeah well there's another show too that's out but speaking of vikings and Norse, uh, The Last Kingdom on Netflix just had season four come out. Very good. Very, yes. very good. Yeah, if, if anyone's uh, been on the fence or seen it or haven't seen it, I'm kind of interested in if you watch the show Vikings on History Channel, I definitely would give Last Kingdom a big shot. I actually think it's better than Vikings. And that's saying a lot because I also enjoy the show Vikings. But Last Kingdom, definitely give it a, give it a look. I I second that for sure. <laughs> Uhtred, son of Uhtred. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, get back on topic. So we got another round two general first generalship again tonight uh, to yes. kind of go off what we had last week. Uh, kind of a fresh reminder on that one. 
So last week we did our introductions for round one. Uh, first, our generals. Austin went with General Mattis, and I chose John J. Pershing. Uh, that was uploaded on our Facebook page, one-on-one. -on -one. And then we're going to go ahead and do round two tonight as a big uh, intro. Uh, same platform as last week, the criteria that we had, which is, again, is going to be – what was that again, Austin? What was our four criteria? The criteria is wisdom, integrity, compassion, and courage. That's it. So those are our four we're going to base this off of. Uh, we'll give a little bit of background on the individuals that we've chosen. And again, I don't know who Austin has picked, and he doesn't know who I picked. And this is going to be kind of fun as we dive into this subject matter. Um, Austin, did you have anything? No, I'm just intrigued to see who you picked. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I guess I'll go first this week. Yeah, please take the floor. Okay, well, I, I kind of wanted to do like a like a speech of his but then i'm like no nah, it wouldn't do justice it would not do justice to do that so i'm gonna dive in i'm gonna give the background to the one the only old blood and guts himself george Patton jr Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be quite the matchup. <laughs> oh, no. Well, <clears throat> here's what we got about George Patton. And there's a lot to say about him. And I'm going to just warn all the listeners right now. What I've, what I've come up with and writing about him. Now, I've, I've already known stuff about him in the past. But what I have here does not do justice for the man. The character, the individual he was, and what he was able to accomplish. There's... I'm like I said, I'm not a historian. There's been authors that have done it. I own a book that's about 800 pages on Patton. So, no, nah, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to do that. But uh, let me get going on that one. So, George Patton Jr., he was born on November 11th, 1885. He would die December 21st, 1945. He was born in San Gabriel, California to George Smith Patton Sr. and his wife, Ruth Wilson. Patton came from a long family history of military service. He had family that fought on both sides of the Civil War. Patton was always destined to be in the military. It's all he ever wanted to do. He attended both Virginia Military Institute and West Point. Here's a little unknown fact about Patton. Throughout his life, Patton struggled with dyslexia, more so in his early years as a student. He always felt inferior due to this problem. To him, he was smart in his abilities that would cause a huge drive in him to succeed if anything appealed to him. He did very well in geography, history, and the Bible. Although Patton struggled to spell, he would become an avid reader the rest of his life. His core choice of reading was always the Bible, where they say he would quote scripture at any time. Many describe Patton as an intelligent boy and was widely read on Bible and Scipio. Africanus, Julius Caesar, Joan of Arc, and Napoleon Bonaparte, as well as those of family friend John Singleton Mosby, who frequently stopped by the Patton family home when George was a child. He was also loved to be on horseback. It's no wonder he found himself in a cavalry later in his military career. Next, 1910, in Beverly Farms, Massachusetts. 
they would have three children, Beatrice Smith, Ruth Ellen, and George Patton IV. Following West Point, Patton would take part in the 1912 Olympics in Sweden, followed by a stop in France in 1913 at a fencing school where he would come up with the M13 Sabre, later known as the Patton Sabre. In 1916, he would head to Mexico along with John J. Pershing to hunt down Pacho Villa. It was at this time Patton used his flair for mechanical, sorry, me- mechanized warfare. He used cars as he would later use tanks during his time there. In 1917, he would be attached to Pershing's staff while in France. Patton would help bring about the American tank car. In August 1918, he was placed in charge of the U.S. 1st Provisional Tank Brigade. By late September of 1918, he would be wounded. He personally led a troop of tanks through thick fog as they advanced five miles into German lines. Around 9 a.m., Patton was wounded while leading six men and a tank in an attack on the German machine guns near the town of Chape. Following the end of World War I, Patton would go on to continue his work in the tank court between the interwar years. By late 1940, he was promoted to Brigadier General, thus giving him his truly first command over an army. He would be involved in the torch landings in North Africa and also the Sicilian-Italian campaign, where he would physically slap two soldiers for what he claimed as cowardice. Later, we would recognize this as post-traumatic stress syndrome. Another time in Sicily, a farmer had two mules blocking a bridge. Patton walked over, shot the two mules, and ordered the animals be dumped over the side. Many found this to be a character of his brutal nature. Other sites, sometimes generals have to make tough choices. For having slapped the two privates, Patton was relieved of his command and placed on leave. He would not take part in the campaign to Italy. He would be used in other ways. Prior to the D-Day landings in Normandy, Patton was placed in command of a ghost army. The Germans were concerned about an invasion at Calais, so they held back reserves in that location, even as the invasion was taking place in Normandy. In July 1944, Patton was given command again with the Third Army. He wasted no time in making up, making up for all that he lost. Leaving from the Normandy beach line, Patton would move simultaneously west into Brittany, south, and then east toward the Seine, and then north, assisting in trapping several hundred thousand German troops in the fillet pocket. Having been ordered north by General Bradley, Patton was racing to close the gap and lock in the German 7th Army. Patton wanted to continue to push north and link up with the Canadians on the north end. Bradley ordered him to stop. The war could have been ended at that point. Both Patton and General Montgomery of Britain both agreed on this. Patton was growing concerned with the handling of the war. As the Third Army pressed into eastern France, Poison Strait, Germany, he was once again frustrated to find his progress slowed down. Fuel was at a premium. He was ordered to stop and wait. Patton was wanted to push into Germany and keep the pressure on the Germans so they couldn't regroup. Sadly, that's actually how it would play out later. In December 1944, the Germans attacked in the Argonne Forest at what would be known as the Battle of the Bulge. Patton, 
already having a feeling for how high command would react to the situation, started to come up with three separate plans to handle it. When asked by Eisenhower how quick he could get six divisions rolling, he replied, as soon as you're through with me. How fast can you attack, asked Eisenhower. I can attack on the morning of the 21st with three divisions. Eisenhower wasn't fond of what he thought was Patton showboating, but Patton was proven correct. He would lead the column to the besieged town of Baston. On December 26, 1944, the first spearhead units of the 3rd Army's 4th Armored Division reached Baston, opening a corridor for relief and resupply of the besieged fortress of the 101st Airborne. Patton's ability to disengage six divisions from frontline combat during the middle of winter, then wheel north to relieve Baston, was one of his most remarkable achievements during the war. The rest of the war, Patton and the Third Army would move into Germany. Patton was as outspoken as ever. He wanted to push all the way to Berlin, keep the Soviets as far east as possible. He was not fond of Stalin nor the Soviets. He begged Eisenhower to let him go to Berlin. Asked why would anyone want to take Berlin, Pat was quoted as replied, I think history will answer that question for you. So it did. Even General Montgomery added in his memoirs that, quote, the American could not understand that it was a little avail to win the war strategically if we lost it politically. It became obvious to me in the autumn of 1944, we were going to muck it up. I reckon we did. So the seeds of the Cold War were set at that point. Near the end of April 1945, near Czechoslovakia border, Patton wanted to move towards Prague. This is where Czech resistance fighting the Germans were begging for American assistance to come again. But he was actually ordered by Eisenhower not to continue. They said a, a pre-arranged agreement with the Soviets that the Americans would hold back at a line of Hilson. Prague would later fall under the Soviet control. The war finished in Europe in early May 1945. Patton was made military governor of Bavaria. It was then the wheels came off. Patton didn't agree with the progress of denazification. He wanted to help rebuild Germany and not let the Soviets be the sole power of Europe. He stated many times the war was lost by not pushing forward and that many, quote, I wonder how they'll feel now that they know there will be no peace in our times and that Americans, some not yet born, will have to fight the Russians tomorrow or 10, 15, or 20 years from tomorrow. Unquote. He was later relieved of command of the Third Army for things he was saying. Pressure on Eisenhower made the choice simple. Patton had to go and get out of the way. General George Patton would later die in a car crash on December 21st, 1945, while he was a very opinionated son of a bitch, as even he would state. He was a man of great admiration from both ally and foe. He was a man of great tactical genius. He wasn't a political general like Ike and Marshall. He was a true warrior, more so than this small piece that I've written can even show. His troops supported him and believed in him. 
He never put them in foolish situations. By seeing the battlefield in a different scope, he was a true general, for he gave him and his men a belief that they could win every battle. So I broke this down again, Austin, like we talk about with the the four quotas for this uh, system we got here. So you ready for these? Yeah, I'm more than ready. Let's go. (laughs) All right, integrity. Patton was outspoken, straight to the point. He wasn't political by any means. He, He stated things as he saw them. He stuck to his guns. If you wanted the truth, but he was going to be blunt with you. So I think that his integrity was the fact that he was, he was honest. He didn't care what people thought about him. He was just going to say what needed to be said. Sometimes that needs to be done. Uh, for wisdom, a good plan, this is his quote, by the way, a good plan, violently executed now, is better than a perfect plan next week. Patton knew that making hard choices today may starve off having to come up with something next week. Sometimes one doesn't have the luxury of time and up-to-date knowledge. Sometimes one must act. He was good at initiative. It was quick thinking on his feet. Like during the Battle of the Bulge, he just knew what was going to come next, and he already was working on three options about what what they were going to do. So I think that that just shows that he just was always thinking. Uh, compassion. Patton was a troops first kind of general. He would often visit medical area and speak with them directly and how they were being taken care of, etc. This showed he looked after their needs. Um, <clears throat> well, it was like the situation where he slapped two soldiers in there was because he was visiting, you know, the guys in uh, medical tents. And there wasn't physically anything wrong with him, and he slapped him for cowardice. <laughs> he really did. Which was a no-no even back then. So that <laughs> kind of got his, got his ass handed in trouble for that one. He actually got removed from command. Oh, wow. But he did love his troops, and they loved him back. There's many quotes for that. Uh, as far as courage, Patton was a lead from the front general. He was not afraid of death by finding it a soldier's duty to face the hardships. His courage of taking it to the enemy, being daring, learning from, and adapting to the situations. So I put him on my fourth because he's the kind of general, if you give him the task, you just tell him what the objective is, he's just going to do it. And it's one of these, to stand back and let him do his magic. You know, he wasn't political general. You wouldn't want him to be forced to be one. So I, I... Really went back and forth for my decision here because I kind of was leaning on him going at number three. But the more research I did, I think four really fits the mold for him. If I was starting my own, you know, five, um, by having somebody higher than him to give him the task, he makes things happen. But I don't know how he would have been if he had been at the top. So it's kind of a back and forth with that. So that that's why I stuck him at number four. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Very admirable. It's a good placement, I think. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, you know, three, four for him, I I don't think. And look, I'm talking about the slightest of margins to have made that decision. Yeah, of course. Of course. No, I mean, I I, I was torn between a few, too. And the one that I'm doing today is actually one that I was torn between also. But by the way, bro, good uh, good presentation. I really like the way that you put that together. That was good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
So, um, who do you have? Me? Okay, so I'm going to kind of gas him up a little bit. I'm going to throw a little bit of flair on there. I'm going to kind of this, – this time I want to go about it a little bit more. I'm going to mix it up, a little freestyle, throw a little bit of sauce on there, you know, just so I can make sure that, <laughs> just, that justice is pretty much served. You know what I mean? Okay. So, basically, who I have for you, ladies and gentlemen, is no other than Mr. If You're Not First, You're Last, Mr. Stay Strapped or Get Clapped, George freaking Washington. Okay. Okay. Now, we're going to get right into this. <laughs> okay, so the way that I kind of formatted this, I'm going to give you kind of like a little, I don't know, like a little biography, kind of just like some yeah. background, and then I'll go into the accomplishments and whatnot. So, George Washington, first president of the United of States, uh, served as president 1789 to 1797. And I guess, I know that these aren't like military generals. I don't know exactly if this would be, if this kind of is within the criteria or not but i figured it's a little bit different you know it's not just like a general like it was a it was the, the president as well so i don't know if this disqualifies no, he was him or not. okay no, he was a general first so okay just I making sure that called. it fits the criteria okay yeah <laughs> we can i'd say the criteria fits all right good so we'll let good old george slide on this one all right <laughs> so born february 22nd 1732 in good old virginia Died December 14th, 1799, also in Virginia. Uh, he was married to beautiful Martha Washington. No children, but he had two stepchildren. And um, his nickname was the father of his country. And I think that suits him pretty well. So, what was he most known for? George Washington was one of the most popular presidents of the United States. Uh, George is uh, known for leading the Continental Army in victory over the British and the American Revolution. Uh, he was also the first president of the United States and helped to define what the role of the president would be going forward. So he kind of set the guidelines and the standards, I suppose. Growing up, George grew up in uh, Virginia. His father, a landowner and planter, died when George was just 11 years old. Fortunately, however, George had an older brother named Lawrence who took good care of him. Uh, Lawrence helped raise George and taught him how to be a gentleman, you know, just as every every kid should be taught. <laughs> Lawrence made sure that he was educated in the basic subjects like reading and math. Uh, when George turned 16, uh, he went to work as a surveyor, where he took measurements of new lands, mapping them out in detail, stuff like that. A few years later, George became a leader with the Virginia Militia and became involved in the start of the French and Indian War. At one point during the war, he narrowly escaped death when his horse was shot out from underneath him. Can't even imagine how scary that's feeling. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I guess before the revolution, so after the French and Indian War, George settled down and married uh, a widow, Martha Custis. Um, he took over the estate of uh, Mount Vernon after his brother Lawrence died and raised Martha's two children from her former marriage. George and Martha never had kids of their own. George became a landowner and was elected to the Virginian legislature. Uh, soon, however, George and his fellow landowners became upset with unfair treatment by their British rulers. They began to argue and fight for their rights. When the British refused, they decided to go to war. It's like the Beastie Boys, fight for your right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the American Revolution and leading the army. So, this is where it all comes together. Uh, so, George was one of Virginia's delegates at the First and Second Continental Congress. This was a group of representatives from each colony who decided to fight the British together. In May of 1775, they appointed George Washington as General of the Continental Army. 
George Washington did not have an easy task, however. He had a ragtag army of uh, colonial farmers to fight trained British soldiers, so the odds were definitely stacked against him. However, he managed to hold the army together even during tough times and losing battles. Over the course of six years, George led the army to victory over the British. His victories include the famous crossing of the Delaware River on Christmas and the final victory at Yorktown, Virginia. The British army surrendered in Yorktown on October 17th, 1778. Um, so I guess we can just kind of go into his presidency as well. Because it is back. If you like, you could. Sure. You could. Throw it on the backlog. Um, so I sure. guess the two terms that Washington served as president were peaceful times. <laughs> During this time, George established many roles and traditions of the president of the United States that still stand today. He helped build and guide the formation of the actual U.S. government from the words of the Constitution. Too bad these days it's being infringed, but, you know, we won't talk about that. Uh, he formed the first presidential cabinet, which included his friends Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. George stepped down from the presidency after eight years, uh, two terms. He felt it was uh, important that the president not become powerful or rule too long like a king, since the only one president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, has served more than two terms. Um, I guess we can go over his death. Uh, so how did he die? Just a few years after leaving the office of president, Washington caught a bad cold. He was soon very sick with a throat infection and died on December 14, 1799. It wasn't COVID-19 as far as we know. <laughs> so um, I guess I just have a few, a, a few fun facts here about George Washington. Uh, he was the only president unanimous, unanimously elected, meaning all the state representatives voted for him. He never served as president in Washington, D.C., the capital that was named for him. In his first year, the capital was in New York City, then moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, next one, he was six feet tall, which was very tall for the 1700s. Next, uh, the story of George Washington chopping down his father's cherry tree is considered fiction and likely never happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> next one, George Washington did not even have wood teeth, but he did wear dentures mm -hmm. made from ivory. <laughs> very classic. Mm -hmm. And last, uh, Washington gave free freedom to his slaves in his will. Okay. Now, with that all being said, I just have a couple key little bits and pieces here. Um, and I kind of ran through this kind of quickly. I kind of wish I slowed down a little bit, but this one I was really excited to do. <laughs> so, like I said, he was a commander-in-chief of the Continental Army during the American Revolution. So when the American Revolutionary War broke out in 1775, Congress created the Continental Army, and George Washington was appointed as its commander-in-chief. Washington took enormous duties during this war. He plotted the overall strategy of the war along with Congress. He organized and trained the army and maintained their morale. Most importantly, his stature, as well as his political and personal skill, was instrumental to make Congress, the army, the French, and the states work towards a common goal. Um, he basically led the U.S. to victory in the land battle of the American Revolutionary War. Uh, he actively led his men against the, the main British forces in 1775 to 77, and then again in 1781. Though he lost battles, he never surrendered his army during the war. In 1781, American and French forces, led by George Washington and, oh boy, I'm going to butcher this one, Comte de Rochambeau, <laughs> your, uh, respectively, mm -hmm. um, decisively defeated a British army commanded by Lord Cornwallis at the Battle of Yorktown. It was the last major land battle of the American Revolutionary War and forced the British government to negotiate an end to the conflict. Um, like I said before, and as everybody knows, George Washington became the first president of the United States in 1789. 
Um, the United States Electoral College elected Washington as the first president in 1789. He received 100% of the electoral votes and remains the only president of U.S. to be elected unanimously. He was reelected again unanimously in 1792. He refused to run for the third term, hence establishing the tradition of a maximum of two terms for a president, which later became the law by the 22nd Amendment to the Constitution. Um, yeah, because FDR. Yeah, yeah, good old FDR. <laughs> Some other little key points. He established many forms in government that survive to this day. So after becoming president, Washington's, Washington's uh, first focus on setting up the federal judiciary. Though the Ju- Judiciary Act of 1789, he established a six-member Supreme Court with one chief justice and five associate justices. Washington established many forms that became part of the American tradition, like the cabinet system and inaugural um, address. He ensured a democratic system with tolerance to opposition, uh, yeah, to uh, opposition voices, despite despite fears that it would lead to political violence, and I guess just kind of why I put that these points in here of him being president and stuff is because it just shows that you know his influence and stuff are still, you know, affecting you know the day to day life of everybody in government to this day. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, that was the starting point. Yeah, which is pretty cool, you know. which is why, you know, it, it just shows that, you know, he started from essentially nothing, you know, no father, whatever, raised by his brother. And even to this day in 2020, his traditions and stuff are still in in place. Um, There's a lot of historical people like that that have just strange backgrounds where they come from nothing and just rise up. It's amazing. Oh, definitely. Um, So I guess the last point is Washington established the United States Navy. So previously, American ships were protected by the British and French navies, but after the proclamation of neutrality, they became vulnerable to pirate attacks. By late, yeah, not Johnny Depp. By late 1793, a dozen American ships had been captured, goods stripped, and everyone enslaved. Due to this, Washington signed the Naval Act of 1794, which established a permanent naval force. This force would eventually become the present-day United States Navy. And you, yeah, U.S. constitutions in there. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Um, I guess that's just my spiel, but that's it. So, so you went and put him at number four. A lot of people would put him one and two. It was under my impression was, that we we're doing, uh, we're doing, we were doing number. Are we doing two? <laughs> well, this is two. I'm saying the top. So a lot of people would think that George Washington should be at the top of people's list as, you know, best U.S. generals, you know, in history. Oh, okay. I, I see what you're saying. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, so I got, I got, I got two other people for my top four and five, and I, I think just putting them kind of like, like, uh, just writing out accomplishments and writing out their backstory and kind of almost making player cards like I have set out here. I just I, I was looking him over and I was just one, two, three, one, two. Like I was just looking and looking and looking. And eventually, and this was something that kind of tore me apart too. And honestly, I'm kind of questioning myself after going over these notes and points of as to where I, I, I feel like I should have put Washington as my number three and put my number three where Washington is. I feel like maybe uh-huh. he did have quite a low placement, but you know, honestly, with the with my next three generals, honestly, I it's it's up in the air. It really is because, and, and this really kind of tore me apart because I was like, man, it, it was just, it was a very tough decision. And 
I guess that's the that's that's what's cool about this is it's all you know basically opinionated you know it's all just based on what we think and I mean I hope I made the right decision but now I'm kind of recon now now I'm kind of I'm kind of second guessing my number three spot now. Well, I guess it depends on what the last three that you have once this list becomes complete and you you stack against the rest of them that you have, of course, uh, in the ranking system. I mean, that was very similar to what I did on this one, like I said before. I mean, I could have put him as, you know, patent at three or or four. I I kept going back and forth, but it was just that very opinionated, hard-nosed, you know, generalship that he was that how would he have been if he was higher? And that's just kind of the sticking point with me. I'm like, nah, I got to put him there. Yeah, this is definitely a challenge, though. It definitely is because it's kind of – it's making us think. And it's, it's, it's like I said, it's very it's, – it's very conflicting because, like I said, you know, and, 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 and that goes for any of these. You know, even, even maybe to some people, Mattis might have been their number five, you know. So it's all kind of just based up to perception at this point. Yeah, it is. I mean, when I started out, I don't know how you go about it. I generally start my researching in putting and formulating on Monday. But on the weekend, I am already kind of digging through the direction I want to take. And I'll be honest, like Saturday, I was like, this guy, I'm going with him. And they kind of got intertwined. And then when Sunday and Sunday afternoon specifically came, I made the switch. So, like I was saying, as Sunday morning, I'm waking up, I'm going in this direction. A few hours later, I'm like, no, I'm going bad. It just, you know, pulled me in another direction, and that's that was my rationality behind it. Yeah, no, just, no, I agree because the the selection isn't isn't the hard part you know if if we could if we would if we were to sit here and just name off our top five generals and put them all you know saying these are the top five greatest and we wouldn't have to rank them the ranking is what really gets me you know the, mm-hmm. the ranking and the the placement is what's hard for me the selection isn't hard the placement is what's hard yeah i agree and that's this is where i'm falling in the line too i mean i'm still going back and forth as i'm writing like my roster I'm constantly altering it. And I think the biggest thing is the more research you do, the more things become clear and you're like, all right, uh, maybe I won't have this individual in that. Maybe I'm going to, this guy's going to go higher than that one. And, you know, it's just, it changes, you know, it'd be so easy. Like you said, just to name five and we're done. Yeah. That's the thing where you need to, you know, work on what we, what we have and as far as researching and putting in the information and that's why we're we're doing it in this format for you know purposes to get a big understanding who these individuals were yeah absolutely and this whole thing is just it's like it's like it's like a like a school project but you're excited for it you know what i mean It's like I said, at least it's not a freaking research paper, 20 pages. I mean, this is like, you're doing it under your own, you know. Um, what I like is like, I don't have to write a paper and have to cite anything. But just so that the listeners know, like, the stuff that we're pulling from is accredited sources and stuff. I mean, 
these are coming from books and articles written, but obviously we're not writing a research paper and publishing. So, yeah, but all this stuff is, is out there available to the public to be able to, you know, see what they were like. Yeah, absolutely. But this is, it's, it's getting pretty intense for me because now I'm starting to really start to itch when it's only Monday, Tuesday, Saturday. I'm like, come on, I just want to do it already. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know it's, we talked prior to coming on and doing the show that we could have just completely just ran the gauntlet and had all five of these just done. But I don't think we would have done justice to these individuals if we just threw their names out there and said a little, a little bit about them. I think that why we're taking the time to talk about them is to really give perspective on who they were what their accomplishments were and their, their characteristics yeah no that that's that's absolutely it so i think by by doing it this way i'm hoping that people learn something new about these individuals that they may or may not have known before i mean most people wouldn't have known that Patton was dyslexic his entire life i mean these these little things. Yeah, it's just the little tidbits, and it's 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 interactive, and you know, I, I don't, and I don't think compared to some of these podcasts that are like three two hours long, it's like man, like I, even even I can't picture myself sitting there listening to that, like unless it's something I absolutely am passionate about. But at least with this, you know, you can get a little bit of knowledge. We make it fun. It's casual. It's relaxed. It's not like you said a lecture. So I think this is this is. It's it's good and it's very educational and casual just for a nice um like just a nice casual listen, honestly. Right. And that's just the point about it, you know, that we can have fun with. It's that most people, you know, if you want to be lectured, you know where to find them. I mean, there's plenty of that information available, but how many times are you sitting around, especially if you love history, you're just talking to your buddies, you know, talking to your family and you just have a free flowing conversation about something. And that to me just is a natural form of human communication. Right. So you took that concept and now we're doing it. We're just doing it off a podcast. You know, it's nice. It's very casual. Like, like you stated in the, in the very first, in the very first type of uh, episode was just, you know, it's just supposed to be relaxed. It's supposed to be like two guys just having a little conversation and that's it. Exactly. And, uh, one thing that, you know, look, I'm going to be, you know, honest. It's like, I love lectures. I like listening to it, but it's just, you know, you have to be in that mindset to want to listen. I mean, there's some of them I've started listening to them and I get drawn out. I mean, 20 minutes in and I'm like, dude, I just can't do this. I mean, I, you know, this is pretty two hours. Seriously. I mean, how does this guy go on? Hey, give him credit. You know, the guy put the work in. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's like you got to really be engaging to be able to pull somebody in and sit there for two hours and listen to it. You know, so the ones that are successful, they give, I mean, there's a lot of YouTube videos that are really nice with history. And it's like 10, 15 minutes and you're done. But they're just great. Yeah, which I feel like that's the hardest thing about podcasts is, you know, the people listening, they're just hearing our voices. At least with a, a YouTube video, you can kind of put an animation, you can put video clips, whatever. So, I feel like the people that listen to podcasts, like they, they know what they're looking for. They know what they want to listen to. So, you know, at least. 
you know, and I would say this is more, this is more like educational entertainment. That's the way that I would put it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way we're hoping that this continues to dig go. I mean, not all these episodes are going to be like this. You know, this is just what we've shotgunned in prior conversations. Here's the thing that I'm just going to say out loud, whether I've told you or, or not, I already have people ringing me up on the phone, hitting my inbox text message. What's the deal with the show? How can I get on? Can I post on your Facebook page about this, this, and this history-wise? I got people who want to come on and talk history already. I mean, we've been, what, one week officially doing this format. We probably reached, what, we probably almost got a like hundred followers already on uh, through Facebook already. Oh, at least, and I, the numbers are just climbing every day. <laughs> yeah, I some more today. I'd like to see more people, you know, hopping on the podcast itself and give it a shot and a listen, a follow, which would be great. But you know, increments, I'll take it. Yeah. But like I said, I got people who are already like, hey, can, how can I get on? I, I want to come on. I want to talk about this, or hey, I want to come on and talk about that. It's like. Uh, yeah okay well what do you want to talk about and they're throwing things they they feel comfortable with talking about says okay well i'll put it in the calendar and i'm being honest with the listeners i've literally got formats and segments set up between now and june for stuff so it's like we have we got stuff coming um next week fall goes right we have a special coming up next week, and coincidentally enough, this actually falls on Friday. I still would have done it regardless if it had not been on Friday, but next week is May 8th, and if anybody knows May 8th is an important hist- historical day, it's Victory in Europe Day. So for the 75th, we're going to do a special on how that came about, and hopefully we learned something new in regards to those uh, final days, final hours of the end of the war in Europe. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be a really good listen. I would definitely recommend that for all the listeners out there. If you're going to tune into any, just that would definitely be one of them. Yeah, and there's there's specials that are not always going to be the case, so that people know that this is a big historical event and just go on a Friday. But there's going to be specials with different things coming up in the future. So, generally speaking, before we we head out tonight for a beer run. <laughs> is Fridays are our show. You're going to see them uploaded. I will have a message on Facebook of roughly about what time they will be uploaded. Last week I did it at 10 a.m. Uh, I'm going to kind of mess around with it and see what works best. But ideally, that's where I'd like to keep it, same time, same place. That's going to be the general show. If there's a special, I will make a special announcement regarding it like I did tonight. That will be on the Facebook page, too. So check out any details about any future specials that we're going to do next week. Like I said, if everything goes well, we will have three. That's right. Three commentators next week. Yeah. And that's definitely going to be very interesting. So just to be, just just to be clear for Mm -hmm. the listeners. So just, you know, when you do specials and they come out on Fridays, that's going to kind of push this series to the following week. Yes. Yes. So we will take a break for one week. 
just for this historical event, and it will continue this uh, into round three of our history U.S. General Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else, uh, Austin, before we uh, take it easy for the rest of the day? <laughs> no, I think it's course time, though. It is always course time. And with that, I want to wish everybody safe weekend. Enjoy the weather wherever you are. Be safe and listen again next week for our special. Good. Have a good day.